everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Drive-In Double Feature. I am one of your co-hosts, Aaron Lopez, joined by Ben Norsworthy. Ben, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Aaron? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a very busy week. Uh, been a couple busy weeks. So if you guys were listening, um, last week we took a week off. A uh, couple of reasons. One, I was out of town and I was not about to try to rush home and fit everything in. But it was a good thing, too, because Ben needed a couple weeks to catch up for what we're doing this week, uh, which is we are doing a season two review of the Umbrella Academy. So Ben had never heard of it, never seen it, um, and had to catch up, obviously. We, me and Jordan watched it in uh, two days, and Ben had two weeks, and he had to watch double the, uh, the amount of episodes. But um, yeah, that, that was... That was also sliced in between what my child watches on netflix too so it's a very <laughs> difficult task but i'm very glad that uh you suggested that we do this because I, I really enjoyed it yeah and so last week to replace that so we didn't take we took a week off but with the uh hopefully everybody had an opportunity to listen back to one of our retro episodes of Hered hereditary which i still don't really know how that movie ends i'm still confused and um it was fantastic but it's just the weirdest ending of a horror movie that i have seen in a long time, even Midsummer made more sense uh, than Hereditary, but they were still pretty weird. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Ben had the idea of putting that out there, and um, I totally agreed. Great idea um, to continue just throwing something out just in case uh, people wanted to catch up on some of our older stuff. So if you liked that, you can go back and find uh, a, a bunch of other episodes that me and Ben did together. Uh, Winchester, not our, our, our best, mm -hmm. not necessarily a bad episode, but not the best movie. Kind of a no, I think Chucky was the the child's play was the that was a good one. Worst. Yeah, that, was, that yeah. and uh, yeah, and the Halloween, the Halloween one was good. Yes. So if you guys like horror movies, uh, as Ben does, and and I do, but uh, Ben's kind of the resident horror movie on the the first eighty episodes. Go back and check those out. Um, but this week, like I said, we're doing Umbrella Academy season two, um, and to kind of uh, bring on the old school mentality of guest hosts. Uh, Jordan is uh, actually going to be joining us. So we've got Jordan on the, uh, the recording. Jordan, welcome. Thanks, guys. I'm so glad I could be here. I've only listened to you guys record this a few times. It's about time you asked me on. <laughs> yeah, Jordan, actually, so to kind of uh, get everybody caught up, Jordan is pretty much the reason why I started watching The Umbrella Academy. One of those, uh, when it first came out last year, uh, we were just kind of flipping through. She's like, this looks interesting. And so we started watching it. Well, we finish it. And uh, about a month or two later, she gets me the graphic novel. And we had heard that it was a graphic novel, but, you know, I hadn't seen it. I get that for Easter, read through that, love it. And then we find out there's more. So uh, we'll get to uh, Dallas and Hotel Oblivion here later on. But um, Jordan's the reason why I love Umbrella Academy so much. So it just only made sense for her to come on as a guest host. So thanks for joining us this week, Jordan. We'll I did not it. know I was the reason you liked you're the it. Reason. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're <laughs> no the reason. Yeah. No clue. You were the binger. You're the person who will find something on Netflix and be like, oh, that looks okay, and you'll start watching it. And this is one that we saw the trailer for, and you're like, let's start watching it. And it, hmm. it hooked. It got, it got us hooked. So Good for um, me. So, Ben, what have you watched since last time other than Umbrella Academy? Uh, I actually, the other night, I sat down and watched uh, – the Har Harley Quinn Birds of Prey uh, movie. That was came it out. good? That's actually on my, um, my uh, this my next week. They tried. Okay. Uh, they tried. They tried. I mean, was it better than Suicide Squad? Yes. Okay. 
just That's what I had heard. Just because I, I feel like there is a real need for um, female empowerment in the superhero world because we we always get like little blimps of it throughout movies, but to actually have a movie that's pretty much a solid female cast of superheroes instead of the males, which are the typical ones that we get. So from that aspect, it was, it was good to see that. Um, but, you know, I think, I think that that Harley Quinn one was made as DC was sputtering out and didn't know what to do with each other. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it was, it was from what I could tell, it was the last, um, it was the last movie of the, the transition um, yeah. Like right now you've got Robert Pattinson's Batman and um, I mean, just even the involvement of Jared Leto uh, as the Joker, it's kind yeah. of made as this joke. It's like the, um, what do they call it? The, because um, it, it was called Birds of Prey, but it was also given another name of like. Because um, people weren't kind of excited to see it because they wanted to see it. Harley Quinn. Yeah. You know? And then I feel like Suicide Squad did okay, but like she really broke out from that so they were like they almost had like rush it and be like wow she did really good in this role we gotta fucking like we gotta like capitalize on this so fast so they kind of like let's have our own movie because she was the breakout star of of suicide squad speaking of harley quinn have you watched the uh the harley quinn animated show on hbo max i love it it's so good i watched watched it in one weekend it's fantastic we we just finished uh episode 10 of season two so we've got a couple left but we're almost done it's so good yeah it's uh i i just i like it i like that they include other people from the batman universe in it um i love the the gang that she hangs out with um i love the cussing i love i I like adult cartoon like you know i like to see superheroes you do adult things it's like the rick and morty of a, uh, a superhero show yeah, it's it's fantastic. Great cast too, great voice cast. So Well I, I love I absolutely love the um the side jokes, like the little references. They're everywhere. So if you're a fan of any of the DC extended universe, um, or even movies that aren't even part of that, like I think today well, we just watched an episode where uh, the Joker uh put a, a pencil in a guy's eye and as soon as he saw the pencil, Jordan and I looked at each other and were like, he's gonna put it in his eye. As to the you know Heath Ledger's Joker referencing from the Dark Knight, so it's really cool. If you guys haven't watched uh, Harley Quinn on DC or actually from the DC Universe um, subscription now on HBO Max, check it out. It's hilarious. So um, Jordan and I though um, watched American Pickle. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but that one is it's good. It's different. It's uh, a little bit more serious in some ways for a Seth Rogen movie, but it's still. You know, it's not just make a bunch of like dick and fart jokes that sometimes he, he gets away with. Um, it's a little bit more serious than that, but it is still kind of a silly movie. Um, but I liked it. I think, Jordan, what did you think about it? Yeah, it was good. It was a different concept. Um, I said it was Seth Rogen's, I wouldn't say his, maybe not his best acting, but the most different acting I've ever seen out of him. So since he plays two people, he has Seth Rogen, who is Seth Rogen in every single movie, and then he has a different character, which I didn't know he could play different characters. So I'll say it was awesome. Um, I enjoyed it. It was just it was just a different concept, totally unbelievable and unscientific. But we're not in it for this. Well, thing. and I love that. And and so if you haven't seen American Pickle yet, we won't give you the we won't give away the joke. But they do they do give an explanation in the movie as to how a man can be brined and survive for a hundred years. So if you don't believe it to be true. The movie it, does answer that question. 
is it his most mature performance? I think so. Like I mean, he started doing that in that movie with Adam Sandler. Uh, yeah, I mean, this now, one, it covers so the the older version of him. Like I can't remember the name, the guy's name, but the guy who gets brined, the American pickle. Um, he's got some pretty serious moments. I mean, it's kind of that like man out of time, you know. So you see that, and you you see that he's his his wife and his family and everything he's ever known is gone. Um, so there's some seriousness there, you know, and mixed in with it and him trying to, you know, uh, have his family name uh, honored and have like a, a positive ending in, you know, throughout history and just push his name forward. I mean, so there's definitely some serious, ner- serious there. Um, but, you know, it's got a veil of a guy was brined and he's basically been pickled for 100 years and now he's a man out of time in the humorous way. So. And then the other one that I actually that I watched um, just a couple of days ago was the uh, Richard Jewell uh, kind of dramatic biopic. Um, that's also on HBO Max. It is uh, the story of uh, Richard Jewell, who was the man who basically saved a bunch of lives um, from uh, the Centennial Park in Atlanta for the '96 Olympics. Um, there was a bomb that went off during that time. So really interesting it was um it's a clint eastwood movie so and i didn't realize that until i started watching it it said directed by clint eastwood i'm like oh crap it's gonna be extremely politicized and it's gonna be this you know really heavy america movie and it really wasn't it was actually a really uh, interesting movie i love that kind of style um so if you haven't seen that check that out um olivia wilde with a kind of controversial portrayal of one of the news reporters that was kind of the only controversy there but um kathy bates fantastic performance there so check out Richard Jewell if you haven't. Uh, but that's let's get to why you guys are all here, why we're here, which is to talk about Umbrella Academy season two. Um, what, what we're gonna try to do is we're gonna go, run through the episodes and not dwell too much on plot, um, but push it through to kind of take you guys through the season, um, discussing the, the highs and lows along the way and some questions and some discussions as we go through it. So um, we might skip some plot points. Um, if there's anything that we skipped that you thought was important, uh, make sure that you let us know. Put a comment on Facebook or um, tweet at us uh, or, or get in touch with us because many of you have our cell phone numbers and say, hey, what the hell, you forgot about this part. Uh, but let us know and uh, we can definitely talk about that at the next episode, but we're gonna get into it. So season two begins. Uh, oh, and hey, we are going to talk spoilers, so make sure that if you haven't finished the season that you probably take a step away from uh, this week's episode until you have, unless you don't care and you just want to listen to us talk, then of course, listen away. Uh, so episode one starts right as season one finishes up, um, which is the entire family, the entire Umbrella Academy uh, travels through time to try to prevent uh, Vanya destroying the Earth. Um, but they go back too far. Uh, five time travels the entire group um, into the 60s, and they end up in Dallas. Um, as we had talked about, so the, the second volume is called Dallas of the comics, so they immediately had some source material to work with here. Um, it's a bit different, but it kind of revolves around the assassination of JFK um, and the civil rights movement. The comics, not so much with the civil rights movement, but um, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, with uh, with Allison um, but the right when we get there we see five and he sees that World War three has basically started in downtown Dallas um, and what I think is one of the the best scenes of the entire season 
um, is when he sees his siblings fighting the Soviet soldiers with everybody kind of showing off their, their powers in a way that we had not seen at all in season one, at least not to this extent. Um, very X-Men-ish. Very X-Men-like. Yeah. What did you guys think of this opening? Because we don't get it for very long, and we don't really see this type of fighting and style no. for the rest of the season. So what were your thoughts? Ladies first. Um, I mean, that was really cool. The superpowers are neat and whatever, but we've come to expect that from Umbrella Academy. Um, what I really liked was, what's his name? Who's the guy that hands him the time machine briefcase? Hazel. Uh, Hazel. Hazel's an awesome character. Not a lot, uh, not to mention the actor himself. Oh, he's he's amazing. If you haven't looked him up yet, you need to. I don't want to get into it because we could talk forever. So he's in, he's in Mindhunter, isn't that what's called? He's in Mindhunter. Yeah. Who yes. played Ed Kemp, the yes. serial killer, who he just got nominated for an Emmy. Oh, very cool. yes. for that role. And have you heard the story behind getting the role? No. He, he was, he's not an actor. He doesn't have any professional experience. He didn't go to school for it. He just had, I think he worked in an office and he was like, well, maybe I'll try out. And people were like, yeah, go for auditions. It'll be fun. He got the friggin' part. Could have fooled me. Exactly. He's amazing as Edward Kemper. Um, He's great as, as Hazel, but this is a guy who just had a talent and no one knew about it. Neither did he until now. So he's doing awesome. I just am upset we didn't see him at all for the rest of the season. Yeah, but I feel like with this type of show, that's never definite. You know, like like there's ways that he can be back. I don't, I don't think Absolutely. that's yeah. It's not like he's the star. I get it. No, but that was my favorite part of this whole opening but he, area. But he was he was my wife's. He was Devin's favorite too. That him and that storyline with the donut lady in the first season <laughs> into the which kind of got eclipsed in the start of the second season was her favorite storyline. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Aaron. What was the question again? Well, just this idea of this opening fight that we never really, yeah. we don't really get into that again. We lose out on that. Um, I would love to see more of it in the next season, but who knows if but, we're going to go that route? Yeah. Well, I'm excited for season three because I feel like in the beginning of season two, what you were just talking about is just a glimpse of what could happen because they've never really gone up against anybody threatening, like that is on their level. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. fighting a Russian army is as about as close as we're getting so far. Who knows where season three goes, but like, yeah, this is them like X-Men style using their full powers to defeat a serious enemy. Which, so for me, I think I was, I was extremely excited about it because in the comics, they, they do have more of these um, actually within the first few pages, they have a fight with um, basically, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he is a robot version of the man who created the eiffel tower designed the eiffel tower um somebody some french guy with the last name eiffel i'm sorry ben i'm sure there's a history lesson in there that i'm just butchered but i don't teach french history so okay good um but basically you know in the first few pages you see them going to fight and it's all throughout in the second and third volumes there's big fights where they're using their powers and they're doing all these things so this was cool for me because i was just excited to see how they were going to incorporate it didn't see it the rest of the season, not necessarily in this way, but with the third season potentially setting up with, um, you know, as we'll talk about with other uh, villains and adversaries, we might see a little bit more of that. Um, but it was essentially a um, an alternate universe uh, that Hazel, as Jordan mentioned, Hazel, Hazel shows up and takes five out um, and he goes back and he has to prevent that from happening. So that's what the rest of the season is, is five trying to prevent the apocalypse again, 
um, and the rest of the family trying to figure out how they can do whatever it is they're doing because a lot of them have been there longer than five. Actually, all of them. He was the last yeah. to show up. Um, so the first episode basically catches us up. Um, you see that the, the lives of the other siblings are revealed. Um, you have Luther, who has uh, basically become a henchman uh, as a bodyguard for Jack Ruby. Uh, Diego is in a mental asylum. Um, he knows that JFK is going to be assassinated, so that's his arc because he's trying to prevent this. Uh, Allison is married to a civil rights activist uh, named Ray, um, and she's involved with the civil rights movement. Uh, Klaus started a cult um, and has kind of just doing very uh, obscure Klaus things. Uh, and then Vanya, who we find out early, she has amnesia. She's living in, on a farm with a couple and their child, uh, Harlan, um, who will be a kind of a major player in this season. Um, but that's really it. Um, I think that the episode ends uh, with Diego and we find out one other new character who has a major uh, important part in this season and definitely beyond, uh, Lila. They escape from the asylum. We do have kind of our, um, our Hazel and Cha-Cha group in the Swedish brothers, the Swedes. Um, they kind of, I don't think that they match Hazel and Cha-Cha, but they're fun. They're um, a little bit more serious. Yeah. Um, th yeah, they definitely don't have the arc that Hazel did, um, nor the drive of the, uh, that Cha-Cha had. Um, but yeah, the, the, the episode basically ends with five meeting Luther, and we start to, we start to reform the family little by little. Um, you know, let's, let's kind of start here, and we'll, we'll talk about what the pieces were throughout. But now that we, we've established where they started and we know where they ended, who do you guys think had the best arc of this season? Because, you know, best and work, worst arc um, from where they start to where they end. And we'll, we'll fill in the gaps as we go along. Uh, well, I, I at towards the tail end of the last season and into this season, I, I, I'm sticking with Klaus. Um, I, th I think he's got a lot of issues. I mean, it's that whole thing, seeing dead people thing. And now how in the first season he was using – drugs and alcohol to kind of numb that um, to where we saw towards the end of that season into this season that if he does stay sober, that he's able to really harness his powers. They even made mention to it, like the, like the stuff they do in ghost. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he's right back in the similar situation, but now he's got this, uh, this uh, cult that he doesn't really want to deal with and he's got issues with dealing with stuff and just the story between him and the, the other guy is it dave dave yeah dave, dave yeah. that he met in vietnam in season one and now dave's like what 18 year old uh kid mm -hmm. um and he's trying to stop him like i don't think he's trying to like be with him i you know i think he's just trying to stop him from going to vietnam so he doesn't die yeah um i just i found that the most interesting and i find the actor that plays him very entertaining did you know that he's irish Robert Sheehan is Irish, and Tom Hopper, who plays Luther, is British. So, like all the good actors nowadays are either English or Irish or Scottish. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it's really funny that if you go on YouTube and you just if you look up Robert Sheehan and Tom Hopper, you can just they did a ton of media interviews where they are just talking to each other and hashing out shit from the the show, um, and they are really really funny. But Tom Hopper sounds very different. Yeah. I think for me the the week the one that I didn't enjoy as much was Allison because I just feel like it was a rehash of what she dealt with in season one. She's 
having trouble with a marriage. She doesn't want to use her power and she's still, you know, fawning over Luther. So I just, they, I don't feel like they, I mean, it's the civil rights stuff was a really nice touch. To, Which, to so that is something that is nowhere in the comics. They completely really? made that up for the series which is so much better for at least a character arc. What she does in the comics is she is involved with the JFK assassination and she steps in as she basically uh, disguises herself as Jackie O and then whispers into his ear um, that I, I heard a rumor that your head blew off and then that's what kills him. So like very different. She's wow. nowhere near the assassination. Um, yeah, they, they definitely did a lot better for her as a character um, than they did in the comics. I just feel like it was a rehash. I mean, it's just like, okay, yeah, we know that you have marriage issues and stuff like that, and you don't want to use your power, and it's like, I don't know. Fair enough, fair enough. Jordan, what, did you, what do you think? Oh, I'm kind of in the same lines as Ben. I was trying to think if I, if I liked Allison's um, arc in general because of the things she had to face, because she was no longer... Now, okay, so when we first saw Allison in season one, she was a movie star, although she had her marriage issues... She had money. She had everything going for her. If she wanted to turn it around, she could. She'd experienced the highs of the high. Exactly. And she, you know, she used her powers in the wrong way. Of course, she abused them. And then she got her throat cut and it forced her to live. Like she had a short arc is kind of how I see it. Even though it did, again, you're right, rehash a few things that moment when she first gets into Houston and she walks into the restaurant and they all yeah, stare at her. Mm-hmm. Oh, it hurt. I felt so bad. Um, I, so I, I'm struggling. Cause I don't know. I feel like in the season, they kind of plant the seeds with her that she could be bad. I mean, I don't could. know. I don't, I haven't read the comics. I, I don't know. So I'm just I'm she, theorizing in the comics. Here. She is kind of, well, yeah, she, she's she Magneto-ish. Kills she kills JFK in the comics to essentially save Luther. Um, mm-hmm. But she kind of goes rogue in order to do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, she got, she has a little bit of vigilante justice in her, which is not, you know, not always the best way of doing things, but um, it's always with like but proper that, intent, I guess. That goes into a discussion that Devin and I got into where it's like this, I was trying to explain to her, like, you know, within this timeline between season one and season two, Things are still going to happen. It's just how they happen. It's the it's the whole Terminator time travel thing where the events are going to play out. It's just how do they play out and who, what are the characters involved? Get, in this season, JFK has to be assassinated. Yeah, you have to continue. You have to continue it, yeah. otherwise it messes the future up. Exactly, exactly. So I mean, just like in Terminator, Skynet's going to happen. It's just how do we? What is the path in the timeline that they get there? And that's what with this, these characters, they keep fucking that up and they keep creating different paths, but eventually the same outcome is going to have to happen. Uh, Jordan, your weakest arc, what'd you think? Well, I'm not saying Allison is my favorite arc. Okay. I would say maybe my favorite arc was Ben's. Yeah, Ben's a good one this year. Ben's probably the best. I mean, I, I was struggling between Klaus, Allison, and Ben, which is why I said that earlier. But I would say Ben's is the is the biggest because, I don't know, he... He, again, also had a short arch, but he discovered some things, learned that it was okay to let go and to go into the light, which is why he had stuck around with Klaus since he died, which we didn't know about until season two. We still don't um, know how. It's just because Klaus told him not to go. No, how he died. 
Oh, how he died. Yeah. They I said that the, the act. The we don't know that yet, but um, the, oh, even the actor. Oh, it's just an accident. Even the actor doesn't know necessarily, because mm-hmm. in the comics it hasn't been revealed, in the show it hasn't been revealed, but they've kind of given him insights to say like it's kind of this way. So he knows yeah. more than anybody else, but he's yeah that hasn't been shared yet. So his biggest arc would be that, or I would say he has the biggest arc. Worst luther oh my god this whole season i was like i can't wait till luther dies or just disappears i thought he was totally useless this season he was a whiny baby the whole time and he never committed to anything he committed to a couple of strangers who helped him just so he could earn money for them that was his big thing he was like please don't be upset no uh uh-uh. you have superhuman strength do something about it i i hated luther this season yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I thought Luther had the weakest arc. Um, I mean, he didn't end up anywhere than where he started, really. Um, for me, though, I think Diego had the best arc, uh, in my opinion. But it's... What? I love Diego's arc. What? Because they, ru- they ruined him in the first season. Compared, I mean, I'm thinking of the comics, too. So the, Diego's powers in the comics are, yes, he, has, he can manipulate trajection like he does, basically, which, which he's not just a good knife thrower. He can move the knife wherever he wants. Um, and we find out later it's not just knives, it's anything, really. Uh, but he also, his, his nickname is the Kraken um, in the comics. They've never made mention of that anywhere in the series. Diego's or Ben's? Diego. Diego's yeah. nickname is the Kraken. It's because he can hold his breath infinitely. He can hold his, and they, it said it's kind of a cool power, but it doesn't really translate to the series, which I agree. Like, there's like one or two situations where he, that would matter. It's like, oh, somebody fell into the ocean and he needs to go get him. Like, that'd be the only reason it would matter. Um, but I, I love Diego's arc in this one because Diego kind of was the Luther of season two and season one to me. Diego just kind of whined. He was always pissy. He was always mad. Um, he had the only interesting thing that happened to him in the first season was he has this. He had his stutter that he had to get over with the help of his you know, mom with Grace. Um, but I felt like season two, we start to see more of Diego, of like what he had to go through, his uh, relationship with his father. Um, but then I think Lila really brings a lot out of Diego. Um, and I think that I, f- I feel like Diego is going to have a major impact in the third season. Um, so there's where I'm, I, I sit. I don't think that, uh, I think I like, I love Klaus and Ben's arcs, um, but I think that Diego had the, the biggest jump as we go through the, the season. Yeah, I think I want to change mine to Luther. I, I, I kind of, I'm like, I hear Jordan talk about it. I was like, he didn't really do shit. No, he didn't do he, shit. Like, this he didn't do season. shit. Like, at least, at least Allison did something with civil rights. Yeah. <laughs> like, she progressed civil rights in Dallas, Texas. Like, Luther did what? Worked for Nothing. a mob boss. Like, yeah. Made zero things- impact. <laughs> Luther basically became a punchline. He was just a goofy drunk dude for most of the the series or the season. He just was like, uh, there was he had the the fart in the elevator, shoving his mouth with food when he first catches up with Allison on the street at that that diner, that outdoor you know diner. So I don't know. I I just yeah, I'm, I'm exactly in that same ballpark, Jordan. I thought Luther just had a horrible arc. I feel like there was um, two episodes where he just was eating a bowl of eggs, scrambled eggs. Yeah, like, I, I mean, was like, yeah, okay absolutely that's your thing so moving to the second episode um we get a little bit more of the handler so the handler jumps back into um the series she is alive um she is not dead we figure out that she actually um 
that she had a, was it the metal plate that she had? How did the handler survive? I can't remember. She had a metal plate installed in her head from some previous event, which stopped the bullet. So she survives, um, but she's been replaced. So this is one of the things that the people who've been uh, reading the comics have been looking forward to, AJ. AJ is um, the, the talking fish um, that is just a goofy, dumb character that is not really in the comics for very long. He, he, he definitely plays more of a role in season two, um, but it's, it's a gr- I was so happy to see that they brought him back because there were some of these other things that wasn't gonna happen with season two. Um, but AJ comes back, Handler's pissed off. She's gonna spend the rest of the season trying to get her position back with the commission. Um, so we catch up with a few more. Five and Diego uh, catch up, basically five um, and Diego catch back up because uh, in the first episode, actually five goes to see Diego and keeps him in the asylum, which Diego doesn't realize there's a reason behind it. Um, but Diego and five get back together. They go back to watch a film that Hazel had given to five right before he got shot. And on this film is, um, Hargreaves, Reginald Hargreaves, and it is you see him holding an umbrella at the assassination of JFK. So now they're putting all the pieces together. Um, so this was something I was going to ask you, Ben, because that was actually film from the actual assassination. So um, the there is apparently a man with an umbrella somewhere in that. Um, he's probably just shielding himself from the sun. Um, but what was what was it about this season? Um, that you enjoyed as far as the historical aspect, because you had mentioned there's a lot of history in yeah. season two. Um, how do you think they did with it interweaving a storyline of like a sci-fi family with superpowers? A couple of things like, you know, I, I'm glad, I mean, again, I don't know if it's because the graphic novel, but it was set in Dallas, Texas, where racism was alive and well. You know, when we think about 1960s, we always think about like Alabama and Mississippi and Georgia and all those places. But, you know, Texas is South too. Um, You know, and, and, you know, for me, when I teach this to my students, I I always tell them how 1963 is a very pivotal year in in American history because everything changed. It was almost like the the innocence and the purity of America was taken away because we had, people on TV saw a president get his head shot off. People in the streets, the civil rights movement is ramping up and people are getting beaten and hosed and attacked by dogs in the streets of america um so it's really this awakening um and for me when i teach in history this awakening of america and it's like yeah everything that the government or your teachers or your parents have painted for you about how america is is just being shattered you know yeah and and while you know the group of superheroes are trying to present stop a, a doomsday event of nuclear holocaust you know, it's people like Allison's husband who's just trying to fight for rights for African Americans. I mean, mm-hmm. they, I feel like almost every episode, they, there's something about civil rights wo- woven into the story to be like, yeah, there's a lot bigger things like a nuclear holocaust, but for average day people, like, who knows if tomorrow's going to happen? You know, because of civil, of, because of your rights being stripped away or getting beat or arrested. Like in this episode, her husband was illegally arrested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. for no reason which mm-hmm. happened to several hundreds millions of african americans during that time period well so, that's yeah i think that like that is that is 
kind of one of the interesting things about the second volume and the second season. Where they go from here, I think, has no historical value whatsoever. You know, I think the third season is going to get weird, but in a good way. Um, we'll talk about uh, Hotel Oblivion here afterwards. But, yeah, so um, episode two you'd mentioned, and this is a great transition into one of the next points I was going to bring up, is that when Ray is in prison, that's when Klaus – um, meets Ray, and then we see another connection, more family members uh, connecting up. And we see uh, one of Klaus's followers has the same tattoos on his hands, the hello goodbye. And it makes me, it, it was at this point, I think they even mentioned it in the first season, or the first uh, episode, but did you catch what the name of his, his uh, cult was? Yeah. Jordan, do you remember? Destiny's Child? It was ch- right? the Children of Destiny. The Children of Destiny. The Children of Destiny. <laughs> So, and that was awesome because, you know, if I'm sure that throughout you caught some of them, but uh, all of Klaus's prophecies, all of his teachings were just lyrics to 90s boy bands and girl band lyrics. You had TLC, you had Destiny's Child, yeah. um, you had uh, Backstreet Boys, you had... Wasn't NSYNC. this the episode where he quoted Jason's uh, Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls? I think it was. For the rivers and the lakes that yep. you're used to. Yep. And, and people are like, oh my God, that's so profound. Yeah. And it's just a little TLC there. Um, so I thought that was hilarious. That's, that's an awesome, uh, inclusion there because that was not something that was in the comics and that's very Klaus, you know, the character they've built up. Um, this is also the episode where Diego, so Diego and five are sneaking into, uh, the umbrella company, um, to basically see what Reginald, what Hargreaves is up to. And they come across five comes across a baby Pogo. Jordan awed like crazy when she saw baby Pogo, uh, right before he snapped and like, I think he like slapped or punched uh, five, stabbed him uh, or he something. Bit his ear. <laughs> oh, that's right. And scratched his face. That's right. I remember yeah. he scratched and bit him. Um, but Baby Pogo, Jordan, I have a question for you. What? Baby Pogo or the child from Mandalorian? Oh, Baby Pogo. I, I'm not into the whole child thing. That's not, that's not me. The rest of the world can be all obsessed with Baby Yoda. But Baby Yoda's awesome. Let me get, let me tell you. But Baby Pogo, that's a poor sweet baby who probably can't fend for himself, where Baby Yoda has friggin' powers. <laughs> yeah, I definitely could have used a lot more Pogo in this season. Um, I half expected Pogo to show up at the end of the final episode. We don't see Pogo at all in there. Um, but I have a feeling that because uh, Vanya doesn't go psycho and kill Pogo as he does at the end of the first season because things are now different, I think we'll see Pogo in season three, which I'm all for. Uh, I thought that Pogo is a great character. Um, but yeah, so, so Pogo shows up. He uh, bites and scratches five. Uh, Diego gets into a nice little, uh, very choreographed fight because it was nice. It was in the shadows. So you could definitely tell that you did not have an old man uh, fighting Diego. But um, Diego gets stabbed and uh, Hargreaves and Pogo walk away. Uh, in a very cool shot-for-shot shot remake, the very end of that, where they're walking off into the smoke, um, like the steam, fog, or whatever, of the street. That's that's in the comics, so that was a nice little uh, tribute there. Um, ben, what were your thoughts on Pogo's inclusion in this? Because he does make one more small um, jump back when he goes into space. Um, but other than that, what were your thoughts of uh, Pogo coming back? Do you think it's just a filler? Do you think they're going to use him in Season 3? I, I think it's good writing because now you know if you watch the end of season one and you see that everything it's like well they're dead mom's dead 
it's like it's a great way to like back to the future style go back and reintroduce all these characters because in a later episode we're going to be introduced to somebody who is the model for mom yeah you know and so it's a great way to not only get more of these characters get their backstory and see how this goes so it's, it's just good writing the, the the best tv shows know how to do it you know they're doing it on better call saul so you know you can't have <laughs> brian cranston in every episode as walter white in a previous time but you can reintroduce other characters that because it's set in a, in a pre-time so it's just it's good and yeah i mean i don't see how you cannot Devin actually was asking if at the end of season one if um pogo was just hardgrave just transferred his psyche transferred into the monkey Oh, I could have seen that. Yeah. They never answered. Did they really answer the question of how he died? Hargreaves? Um, no. no, I'm still not convinced that he died in season one. Um, knowing that. He, oh, hold on. Pause. First of all, they did go through it. Because remember, Diego says, I looked up, or not Diego. Luther. Luther says, I looked through the report. Here's what happened. And also, he's definitely dead, Aaron. Because remember, Klaus sees him? Yeah, but like, I'm thinking of the alien inclusion, like so that we find out. Like, I don't know. I, I, I really wish. Me and Ben were talking about this before. I wish they would have incorporated the alien aspect in season one, because there are so many weird things that we still don't really see the connection as to how he's an alien, why it matters, even knowing that he's an alien in season two. So I don't know. That's that's just my opinion. I feel like they're they've got a lot of questions. They have a lot to work with in season three. But for all of us who have to wait another year or year and a half to see what they're going to do, I'm pissed. All right. Episode three? So episode three, um, this one actually not a whole lot happens. Um, uh, Lila and Diego have sex, which is hilarious when he realizes who Lila is later in the season. Um, Why is that hilarious? Because Diego finds out that he basically their sister, that's his sister, sister and so to speak. Oh, I see. And he's like, not by blood though right like he has this like fearful realization that he had sex with his sister but they're not actually uh, related we have been talking about this for like the past five days it's like is it okay that they're (laughs) together because they're not by blood they're just in theory brother and sister they were born on the same day that's the only connection they have that's like if you and your your wife devon's argument that's that but devon's argument was they were raised together and to think that they are brother and sister kind of well so here's the thing too so diego has <clears throat> what's the difference between luther and allison they're not related and ever, ever no one's like ew they're brother and sister they're like yeah they're brother and sister so to speak but they're not actually related to go back i mean i like how every time uh her husband ray was introduced to uh, they're like you know klaus and luther and like oh yeah and i'm her brother he just kind of pauses like okay two white dudes have said you're their brother yeah in the past 24 hours well and another thing so and this is this is different from the comics um well it's different in the comics uh diego and vanya actually have a romantic relationship um in the comics like not it's diego has feelings for vanya vanya never reciprocated them but it's very specific that he's always trying to rehash or try to remember things about there's no illegal activities going on there's no relation by blood nothing nothing so that that happens in season three um we also see a nice uh we talked about it a lot so we're not gonna really beat it in but um the the sit-in 
um, at the diner. Uh, we actually see that happen. And once that breaks down, then Allison uses her powers. Ray sees those. Um, I'm not uh, necessarily thrilled with how she got her powers back or her voice back. Um, but that's just me being bitter that they didn't include it in the way in the comics. Comics is basically she has to go with the commission and the commission gives her, gives her her voice back mechanically. Um, she just rehabs her voice as somebody would. I don't know how that works. But they I'm do a lot a with that whites only diner throughout all the episodes of season two. That, that, that's there a focal a point for a lot of important stuff. Yeah. Um, and then by the end, it's revealed that Lila is working for the commission alongside the handler who she calls her mother. She calls her mom. Um, was this a surprise to you guys when you found out Lila was um, kind of a spy? Go ahead, Jordan. No. 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 When did you know that she Great was part insight of the, there, Jordan. the family? Great insight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> when did I know? As soon as we met her. That like, she was part of the family? We I don't think... bring anybody into the Umbrella Academy crew unless there's something weird with them. I think the bigger surprise was not that th- of that, but what we see in the season finale what her powers were that that her she has power she basically has rogue powers right like yeah i I knew she had powers um in the fight with five i think in see in episode five yeah but i started questioning that shit when she how was she able to get out of the mental institution well that's yeah how did she get out there to save diego from the guard like yep because she was able i don't know was she able to that absorb answer. that telepath that that you know that uh transportation stuff that number five does because he was Probably. in the vicinity she was, she was near him but yeah so episode four um lila is instructed to protect five at all costs um and that kind of plays into a bit of a an episode or an issue by the end of the episode um but not a whole lot in episode four either. Four kind of progresses this. We do see Grace. We see Mom for the first time, which you'd mentioned, Ben, that um, it, you know it's good writing. But I was gonna, I'm gonna question this because I don't see the point of reintroducing her. Um, I thought that Mom or Grace was kind of a pointless character in season two. It was nice to see her again, and Diego seeing her was interesting. But she didn't. All she did was show that there's maybe a more emotional or potentially sentimental side to Hargreaves than we had thought possible um, from season one. That's what I got out of her inclusion. I, I just took it as, okay, go ahead, Jordan. I was just gonna say, I really liked her because there's yeah. a lot there we don't know about yet. And they set it up perfectly. We don't know if she died, which is why he used her as a model for mom. We don't know if the model for mom is actually her body. Mm-hmm. We don't know if maybe she made mom because she fell in love and loved the kids, but died too soon. There's a whole package there we have to unwrap, and we don't know about it yet. I think that's why I don't like it, is there's nothing to go off of. There's potential, like you said. I don't doubt the potential. I think the payoff comes in season three, and then I'll say, okay, great. But or, until that's a question, payoff. were you that type of kid that just wanted to open all his Christmas gifts on? No, Christmas Jordan day? was that type of kid, though. <laughs> she still is. I still am. I hate waiting for my chance. I just, it was a nice touch to say, hey, this was actually a real person. And there's, like you said, there's a lot more to Hargrave than there, you know, he has. Because as the other episodes that we'll get it to, that she's a central, she's an important part of like Pogo. That was the same person, right? Yeah. Yeah. At NASA or whatever it was, that was the same person. So she is, 
instead of just a caretaker she is a very important part of how everything gets to be where it is in first season and on yeah i don't know we'll see we'll see we'll see what grace ends up being she does have uh some she drives a little plot forward some character development i just i don't know we'll see in the second in the third uh season um the only other major thing that I got out of episode four was Vanya using her powers to find and save Harlan from the drowning. And in her CPR, we find out that she gives some of her powers to Harlan. Um, we just don't to know to what extent until later. We do see some weird little um, close encounters of the third kind lights going from her into him. Just some bizarre lights. Can, can we talk about how well they handled Harlan's autism? Very, very well portrayed, yeah. Yeah. I was so worried that they were going to say, well, now that he has powers, he no longer has autism. Yeah. No. Which they very easily could have and then swept it under the rug and no one would have thought twice about it. But they didn't. I mean, I, at least from what I've seen, he still is autist, but, autistic, but maybe with a little more... Control? Control, or at least a deeper set of knowledge. Aware that he of it. Have, aware of more himself. awareness. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's just growth. Maybe it's just a, he grew up a little bit. Because as we all know, there are lots of people out there who are, who are autistic that were able to um, have great therapy growing up and are now fully functional adults and fine. So it almost feels like he skipped a step and he already, he, just because but, of that, having I mean, that power. We are talking about 1963 where basically autism doesn't exist. There's not a real thing for them back then. No, I mean, exactly. his dad wanted to send him to an insane asylum, basically, more or less. He just wanted to ship him off because he said that's the only place he can get help. And I, I think mean, his dad actually believed that. He really did. That was, yeah. I mean, even the language that he is using is, I don't know, is, is, it's inappropriate for the time, meaning they didn't talk like that. They didn't say he oh. could have help. They could help him and he'll grow, grow up better in this area. No, they would have said throw him in the asylum because he's yeah. crazy. Yeah, well, see, here, here's the thing. And, I, and this is something I teach to my kids in psychology. Before 1974, there were no ethics in psychology. You could literally be put in a mental asylum or institution for anything. If you were depressed, put them in. If you're bipolar, put them in. If you were gay or lesbian, that was caused to put them in. If you just disobeyed your parents, your parents had the right to institutionalize you as long as you lived under their house. So for having a kid that's autistic like he is in 1963, yeah, he's mentally disturbed. Put him in. The, so you have people that have depression or bipolarism or autism or something like that or just mm -hmm. are struggling with their sexuality and they get thrown into a mental institution where people are schizophrenic and people that have hurt people in themselves. So it's, it mm -hmm. was very, until about 1974 when they revolutionized what mental illness is, it was just like th fucking throw them in. And you didn't get out, if you were a kid, you didn't get out until the doctors and parents said you were okay to go home. Mm -hmm. Even if, if you, you were- If you did get yeah. out, yeah. I mean, if you were a female and you were promiscuous with the boys, you, that was cause for parents to throw you in. So it was really the wild west of just fucking throw them in. Yeah. Which is, I mean, so that's interesting because in the next episode, we do see a little bit of that. Um, Vanya, we start to see the relationship with Sissy start to, to flourish. Um, this is one of those, those things that I, I still think it, it was a little, a little forced, um, the relationship, but having read a little bit more, Jordan's shaking her head now. Um, I will say this though. Uh, I did find out Ellen Page actually helped shape and write that storyline. 
Um, if you are not familiar with Ellen Page, Ellen Page is a lesbian, um, and she came out, you know, five, six, seven years ago. It's actually been big a advocate bit. for um, equal yeah. rights. And she helps write this storyline and put guidance into it to make sure that it didn't feel forced in the sense of uh, that it was done correctly. And I will see that. I will say that I think that how it was shown and how it happened was was proper. You had somebody who had lived through um, people being accepted, or at least way, way more accepted than in the you know in the late 2000s, you know, present day versus in the 1960s, and having that woke culture of like, hey there's nothing wrong with you because you feel this way. When I say I think it was forced is I didn't see anything in Vanya's character that showed me, oh, maybe she's struggling with her identity in the, you know, the sexual identity aspect of it up until her and Sissy came together. I will didn't say though, make, I think they did a good job showing it. It just was weird for me at first until. Didn't they make kind of a joke about it when they were talking about it with their brothers and it was like, well, it's a lot better than the last one. Some of the other guys that you yeah. dated. Yeah. Yeah. The crazy guy from episode or the first season. Aaron, remind me, you said that you didn't notice any struggle with her sexuality. Is that what you said? I didn't feel like I did until um, they, they showed her and Sissy. But why would she have to struggle? It seemed like she was totally fine with herself from the very beginning. I'm not saying that she has to struggle, but it just came out of left field. It was, she had a relationship with, so like she had a relationship with uh, a guy in the first season. So we have this idea that, hey, you know, she's this hetero, just struggling with who she is as a person of a relationship with her dad, you know, and her powers and whatnot. I just was like, all of a sudden that she's, she's a lesbian. And I'm not saying that some, that or people Or she's can't. bisexual. Or she could be, but then, but that just came out of nowhere. I'm not, okay, you're, it's like, Jordan's like, oh, Aaron, you're digging a hole. No, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying the character that. had no, she can be bisexual, she can be whatever. I'm saying I, I didn't see it until it came out of her, her seeing Sissy. It's not like she never saw anybody it's, before this. It is the movie fantasy that you have been fed your entire life that in order for someone to go outside of their own sex or to become, or to come out gay, it has to be a whole lead up journey it can't just happen just like heterosexual like harry potter or lord of the rings yeah, <laughs> yeah. damn this ring of heterosexuality <laughs> okay so fine. It, it, it's okay if you didn't see I will it coming, say, I, but it I will just... say in aaron's defense that she had a lot more things heavier things to deal with than her sexuality in season one and season two because she mm -hmm. had just discovered that she had these phenomenal powers and didn't know how to deal with them so Maybe that's maybe that's a similar thing of maybe she's after she's discovered her powers. It's one of those things where it's like, what else do I not know about myself? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, how far can I take this? And I think that's what they kind of explore in season two is that she's maybe because of the amnesia, she's comfortable enough to be like she don't remember that other guy. Yeah, I'm maybe. not saying amnesia changes your sexuality, but I'm just saying she's 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 a fresh slate. She she has been See, with Ben, you're people. digging yourself a hole too. Both I of mean, you. Dude, <laughs> I mean, my more. hole started like six years ago. Like she, what, what I'm saying is, is that she started with a fresh slate and she's been with these people and she's, she's made herself a new person with this, with this uh, other woman. And she's, what is that other woman's name? Sissy. 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 Here's, here's what I'm going to say. And then we'll move on. I'm not saying that you have to have some sort of identity crisis to, in order for to, to discover something about yourself. 
What I'm saying though is this is a fictional sci-fi based Netflix series. And usually when you're writing a character, you have something that would show that they're at least thinking about that before all of a sudden they're in a relationship with somebody. I'm not saying that they have to earn it or anything, but it is a fictional story and I was just surprised. Great. We're going to, okay. I'm going to say a hundred percent disagree with both of you and then well, move on. Five. Let's just go. What episode are we even We're on? We're on five. <laughs> All right. Are we not going to talk? Are we not going to talk about the Swedish Viking funeral with the? Well, Swedish he hasn't funeral? died yet. So hold on now. He's got to die first. In this, in this episode, um, who is the one who actually kills him? Isn't it? Uh, it's, it's it's the girl. This the it's the mom and the girl. It's the. It's remember the they handler. said handler. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, that's it's, right. That's right. So that's the handler. They plant a bomb. And so the one who is the milkman. The, uh, who appears to be the youngest of the three brothers, um, he blows up. And so the brothers then um, do a Viking funeral for him, which is hilarious because the only thing they have left of him is like part of his leg and foot, which I thought was really sad and kind of funny that they still had a Viking funeral and they put him out on a boat with a leg. That was all that was left. With Swedish Adele playing in the background. Yes. yes. Yeah. That was great. Yep. That was the best. To me, that was like top five best parts of the season. Because like, oh, they're serious. Like, they're pissed. Like, this was a serious funeral cer- ceremony going on. And I remember they, when that happened. I look over at Jordan. I go, is that Adele? She's like, yeah, yeah. it is. Swedish. <laughs> Swedish Adele. It was great. Um, yeah. So they have the, they are uh, mourning the, the death of one of their brothers. Um, and we do see Lila going back and having this fight with Five, who at that point, that's when I knew that she had powers because it just, the cinematography was setting up like something's up. She's, she's not where she was supposed to be. And we find out later that, yeah, it's because she had the teleportation powers that Five had. Um, Vanya does uh, get upset though in this episode. This is where for the first time, uh, which seems like a couple, um, she leaves the family after she sees that Sissy goes back with uh, her husband after they had been uh, intimate. And she's like, well, why are you not being with me? Because you're being with somebody you don't love. Um, but again, the 60s. So uh, it's Sissy's very well aware of that. Uh, and this is when Luther and Diego first get an invitation to meet with Reginald. Um, and everybody kind of splits up. It's like, Halfway through the season, everybody feels like everything's getting better and then everything falls to shit for them to rebuild into the second half. So um, let's keep it moving though, because uh, we are gonna be in a two hour episode and I know Jordan won't stick around for that long. So we'll keep going here. Episode six, um, we do get the, the, uh, the deal between the handler and five. Basically the handler is gonna send him and his family back, the Umbrella Academy back to the future. If uh, five does a favor for the handler, basically, hey, you got to kill the commission's board, uh, including AJ, and I'll give you a briefcase. So he's like, all right, we'll see that in the next episode. Um, This is kind of one of those, I don't know, I feel like maybe a little bit of a throwaway episode, this one and the next one. Um, But one thing that is interesting in this one uh, does happen, we see the the Umbrella Academy go to see uh, Hargreaves. And they go up, they're nervous in the elevator. And if you guys go back to episode six, um, I saw this one. Um, they could not get that take in the elevator where Luther farts and everybody's like, oh, Luther, come on. Um, they couldn't get a good take of it. The best take they got, the one that is in episode six, 
if you look at Diego in the background, he is laughing his ass off. Um, and they even said that was the best they could do. Everybody else is reacting and his head is down and he is laughing. He's shaking. His whole body is shaking because he just couldn't do it. Um, so go back and watch that. I thought that was kind of a fun little tidbit. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Is is five the leader? Five's the leader, right? Like he he's thinks the he's the, he thinks he's the leader, and I would say to some extent he is because he's the most driven. But his but he's he's making things happen. Yeah, but his his making things happen is to prevent the apocalypse, which of course kind of holds precedent over like uh, Luther like Luther's wanting to be with Allison. It's like who cares? You got some romantic issues. The, this guy's trying to prevent the end of the world, which kind of trumps everybody else's issues because they won't matter unless you can prevent the end of the, the world. I don't know. I think that you're right in some way. Five's a little bit of the leader, at least in the series. He comes across that way. He's also the mentally oldest. He's what, like 50s or 60s? Yeah. 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 Um, we, ne- we haven't talked about Elliot at all. We need to talk about it now because he dies in episode six. But Elliot, uh, a lot of fans actually have talked about Elliot in the same sense as Hazel um, as being kind of the love. Well, not necessarily Hazel. Uh, he was a lovable person in this this one, but what was the? I can't remember the name of the Russian from the most recent episode or most recent season of Stranger Things. Um, the one who's always about his slushies. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he. Everybody is talking about uh, Elliot as the lovable loser, kind of just weird character that gets just it gets done dirty. He gets just stabbed to hell by the Swedes. Um, and then that's when you see the uh, Oga Fora Oga, uh, which is an eye for an eye with blood written on the floor of Elliot's uh, TV store, basically. What do you guys think of Elliot? Elliot, is he a toss-away character? He was cute. He wasn't necessary, but it's important to have unnecessary characters in any show. I, I think he's important because he was the puzzle piece that brought everybody back together. Yeah, he's the agent. Coulson. I mean, he, I mean, yeah, he's the, yeah, exactly. He's the one piece that connected, that was able to get three years of different time periods back together to that one place. Cause, and, and that's where they kept meeting was that one place. I mean, he was the one that was documenting it, always taking pictures. Yeah. Um, he was the one, he was the enabler that allowed five to, seek out his brothers and sisters so i I feel like he served his purpose just like you said the russian guy did in stranger things he served a purpose but then he was just like just as you're getting warmed up to him it's like well we got to kill this guy off yeah so that's about it he dies in that episode and everybody's like all right let's figure out what we have to do five agrees to the handler's deal and that leads us into episode seven which i think is one of the best openings of the season uh even trumping the first opening uh, which is five killing the commission's board. Um, just a great opening sequence. You really see five's five is the assassin. I mean, he has the the mentality and the physicality to to kill countless numbers of people. Um, and you see it in the first season where he's going through all of the people at the kills a bunch of people at the diner at the donut shop. Uh, we see it a couple times in this season. Uh, but yeah, I think that this was a really cool scene. I can't remember the song that was playing, but there was another great opening sequence uh with the soundtrack i'll see if i can find it here but um but yeah uh, episode seven i'm gonna let you guys talk about this jordan if you want to talk about this one episode seven is the one where you see klaus and ben with the possession for the the that whole scene 
um, where Ben gets to possess Klaus and be with the girl for a little bit. Um, and actually, a uh, little piece of information before we talk about this, um, Richard uh, Sheehan um, really, really focused on the body movements of uh, the character, the guy who plays uh, Ben, James, James Wan, I believe his name is. Um, he watched him walk and his mannerisms and everything. So that way, as Klaus being possessed by Ben, he could walk like Ben would walk. Um, so really awesome acting there by, uh, by Robert Sheehan. Um, but what, what were your thoughts? Because this is kind of one of those moments where, Jordan, you said you thought the arc of Klaus and Ben was really important. This was the episode that really showed that off. So what did you think about um, that possession? Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I didn't relate to Ben's character, but I understood a little bit about what Ben is going through because of, um, I'm going back and reading Harry Potter and I'll, we, they talk a little bit about ghosts and there was something else. I cannot remember either a show or a book I read or something where they were talking about how they can't feel anything. They can't feel the breeze on their face. They can't taste any food. So you're just walking around having zero feelings. You never stub your toe on a Lego. You never pick up a glass, nothing. It's very interesting. So when he explains to Klaus that he really just wants to possess him to meet the girl, but in actuality, he wants to experience just living, you know, and he sees the girl. I can't remember the name off the top of my head and just tries to talk to her and explains how much he knows about her, which is, sounds a little creepy, but it is Ben's only way of reaching out to the living side and relating to people and living through them essentially. So it was really interesting when he's just walking around enjoying the simplicities of life. Aren't they in a garden and they do like dirt angels or something like that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that was what? really interesting. Why do you think that he hasn't, I mean, as far as this, we are into season two, well, we're done with season two, but he hasn't, Klaus hasn't been like, hey, guys, Ben's here. Like, he's right there. He hangs out with me all the time. Sometimes he can get into my body. Like, how come he's not fully revealed the relationship that him and Ben have to all the other members of the family? A little bit of guilt, but also a little bit of he, he at the same time wanted Ben to always be with him but also would like privacy at some point. So his way of blocking Ben out in some way is not disclosing his presence to the rest of the group. I feel like Klaus has always felt like he didn't belong just because of his, um, just his, his mental, you know, he's an addictive, he's got an addictive personality. He, um, he doesn't like to be with people. So Ben allows him to be separate from people, but not completely alone. Um, I feel like somebody like Klaus is probably afraid to be alone, but also wants to not be around people. So it's kind of one of those things where it was like a, um, like an anxiety depression that you feel like Klaus may be dealing with. Um, he gets the, I guess, the best of both worlds in getting to never be around people, but always having Ben there. Um, and if he gives that up, then maybe then Ben would have the opportunity to go to someone else or not have to use Klaus's powers. Maybe they'd find another way and then he would lose Ben. Okay. I mean, that's just it's curious. I'm going back through, just as a side note, I'm going back through the soundtrack. Um, it, I, Polka, Polk Salad Annie is the song that is playing when Five goes to the meeting, um, which I don't know that song at all. But um, just before this, I mean, go, go and listen to the soundtrack, but there is, um, 
It is a Hello uh, Adele cover by, it's called My Kolskvik. Probably butchered that. And then there's a Billie Eilish cover, When Five Fights Lila. I forgot about that song, but it yeah. was really well done. So yeah. The soundtrack oh, in both soundtrack. seasons are phenomenal. Yeah. Like, because it's not really the regular artist. Occasionally they'll have a song, like when they were dancing in season two, when they were dancing in the hair shop getting drunk. That, mm-hmm. that was Sam Cooke. Yeah. Um, you know when it's Sam Cooke. Um, but like all the other covers are really good covers. Yeah. Um, I mean, we get Backstreet Boys, another uh, nice, wonderful uh, Children of Destiny prophecy, um, w- which I thought Ben slash Klaus did a really good job of incorporating that. I mean, essentially this episode, episode seven, is a, uh, a hodgepodge of five running to everybody saying, hey, you have to be in the alley at this time because we have to get back to 2019. And then everybody's reason for not being back in time for them to get back in 2019. Um, essentially, the only one that really jumps out to me as being interesting is the Klaus and Ben one. Um, but, I mean, everybody else kind of has their, their reasons. Uh, but uh, eventually, Five has to throw the time-traveling briefcase away, and they're I, stuck. They you know, I, I, it's kind of interesting that in that episode, Allison wants to take Ray with her back mm-hmm. in 2019 it's like do you know who's president yeah like i just told you about barack obama like <laughs> some shit happened after that you want to go back to 2019 <laughs> like yeah yeah you sure yeah. um episode eight um so this is the episode in which we have five uh deciding that the only way to get back now is to go meet his own old self um and work him into the situation um, in order to get them all back on time. And then five will have his older body at the same time. So it's kind of a win-win. The only problem is, is there are, um, there, there's a, I'm trying to remember the um, paradoxical. Oh, what is the name for it? Um, Paranoia, paradoxical paranoia. What is it that, but so so you basically, when Five sees himself, he starts to get paranoid. And there's all these, you see him getting ready to meet himself and he's putting on a bunch of deodorant. He's drinking a lot of water because he's trying to counteract all of the symptoms that happen with it. Well, very quickly, he starts experiencing them. One of the little uh, tidbits that the, the actor who played Five, uh, when he did an awesome job, basically the entire episode of acting a little crazy in order to get into that mindset, he was listening to The Black Parade by My, uh, My Chemical Romance. Um, which, if you don't know, My Chemical Romance is Gerard Way is the author of The Umbrella Academy. Um, so that was kind of one of those neat little pieces of trivia. Um, but yeah, he starts to, um, he's basically, he's trying to get the old five to kill JFK, do everything you need to do. And then, hey, when you go back in time, do it this way, everything will be fixed. Well, he doesn't want to do that because he's paranoid. Old five and and young five duke it out in this really funny fight scene where luther just keeps getting kicked i thought that was pretty well done um i started i started to feel like this was getting a little complicated here it was it It was was. getting a little complicated i mean i know it's it's they're finding they're what i like about the show is they're constantly changing the direction of it you know it's like okay this is fucked so now we got to go this direction now we got to go this direction I just, it was getting a little kind of, it's like Michael J. Fox seeing himself in Back to the Future too. Uh, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, because we haven't even talked about Vanya being abducted by the CIA. Yeah, episode eight is very complicated. Yeah. Yeah. You've got Vanya. Vanya's abducted and interrogated. Basically, they think she's a member of the KGB. So she starts to be uh, electrocuted, basically tortured. Um, and so she starts going off. Um, Diego gets kidnapped by Lila and taken to the commission. And um, then you have Diego escaping after with the help of Herb, which you haven't talked about. Did you guys actually know that Herb played uh, Pogo? The body he was the body for Pogo in the first season. Do you remember Herb? No. Herb was the little guy who eventually by the end becomes the new handler, so to speak. He's the new boy. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. The 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 short guy with the glasses. Because she says po- I played took Pogo. shits bigger than him. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's Pogo's body in the first episode the first season. Um but yeah, Diego and Herb join forces to get Diego. I mean, there's so much that happens in eight. Ultimately, where they end. Um, is Vanya's about to explode. Diego and Allison and Klaus are trying to stop it, but they can't. And Luther's off just being sad. <laughs> so, because Luther's doing nothing. Yeah. Well, Luther's uh-huh. with five. Luther and five are trying to, yeah. So They're trying at, to kill the president to keep everything in order. And So at this yeah. point, do you feel like that they just keep fucking up the timeline? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like they're just they just keep fucking things up like like Yeah, I mean they're they're fucking things up. Well, and that's the thing is in the end of the the 10th episode when they are like, "Well, who messed up the timeline?" They all look at each other cuz they all know that they did something that messed up the timeline. When when Klaus in the previous last episode before this when Klaus uh talked with Dan, a younger Dan, and he fucked he signed up for the military to be uh, drafted before Dave. the actual date and Dave. he's like yeah. oh, i'm sorry dave um before that what what how's that it's these little things it's the butterfly effect it's these little things yeah. that you know you alter time so does that mean he's going to be alive because he's gets shipped off different or do they not meet now and that i don't know it's yeah i, I, I mean and that's something we could talk about at the end with predictions but i think that it's there's something wrong, you know, and there's, there's every single person does something and it was it because of all of them that it ended up that way or was one a little worse than the rest. And that's the reason why it all happened. We know it's not Luther because Luther didn't do shit. Luther did nothing. No, I mean, Luther's involvement was with Jack Ruby. And I think that, I don't think Jack Ruby died as a result of Luther. I don't even know who Jack Ruby is. Jack Ruby's the man who killed, um, where'd you go to school? <laughs> Lee Harvey Iowa. Oswald. Uh, he, so you know how he killed uh, Lee Harvey Oswald? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Probably, and, then he he got, and then he got killed before he got prison. Be, yeah. Yeah. They didn't want Lee, they didn't want Oswald talking. Mm. Jack Ruby was a nightclub owner slash mobster. So that's yeah. There's all of this conspiracy because you don't have the answers because the guy died before they could talk. Interesting. Um. So see episode nine. This uh, ends with that. It starts the way episode eight ends, where um, Ben is the one who is able to reach Vanya, um, and he enters her mind where Vanya has been re- remembering things, and she's going through a pretty traumatic re- uh, remembering of her past. Um, ben though helps calm her, and it's in his conversation with her that we have probably one of the the hardest scenes to watch because you see Ben. He asks as he is 
kind of disappearing to be hugged. He wants to touch somebody. Oh, that's awful. Oh, just to pull at your heartstrings. Um, but it's the first time he's also talked to anybody other than Klaus in years um, outside of his small conversation with the, the girl in the couple episodes mm -hmm. before. At um, least the conversation that he can talk as himself. Exactly. Yeah, it's Ben talking to someone. Um, and it feels rough because at this point, we believe Ben to be gone. We'll find out that's not completely true in the next episode, but Ben, the Ben that we know him through almost two seasons, he's gone after this episode. So that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, but yeah, this is also the episode where we find out that Hargreaves is an alien. Um, like I said, this, this is not news to anybody who's read the comics. Jordan actually asked if I had, I think you looked at the graphic novel before me and were like, Hey, have you, have you read that yet? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And she's like, well, there's a major spoiler in like the first page, and it is that Hargreaves is an alien. He takes off his, you see him like taking off his mask, um, mm -hmm. so to speak. So, um, but yeah, things are different. Um, they prevent Vanya from blowing up the FBI building, but they don't prevent um, the JF, uh, JFK from being killed. Um, trying to look at what else. Lila's pissed off at Diego because Lila thinks that five and Diego and everybody killed her family where it was actually more of the handler we all know that but she doesn't um I mean nine is nine's an important episode but I think what nine does well is it just sets up the finale I felt like not the the ninth episode could have finished it and we would have had a bit of more of a cliffhanger um but I'm glad we didn't because episode 10 hits hard with the action and just weird aspects all throughout I feel like nine does a good job of laying the seeds for what 10 and yeah. what season three may bring us so yeah and it's sure. it is the beginning of episode 10 that we see um that we basically see that harlan's in trouble so vanya goes out with the rest of the group to try to help harlan but on the farm is where the handler and lila show up with hundreds if not thousands of agents uh from the commission um really cool visual but then vanya kills all of them in like a snap of her fingers more or less she floats and sends out her shockwave uh kills them all doesn't kill lila or the handler which i didn't really understand how it would kill everybody except for them maybe she they were further away i don't know they um, they had a force shield did, uh, they, did they yeah lila did a shield around them remember oh no i don't remember that there is you it, go is it fair to can to compare Vanya to like she is our Jean Grey slash Phoenix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd yeah. Say so so who's Lila? Who's La Rogue? She's absorbed people's powers. She's able to, you know. She doesn't have her I think her powers are because that's what is revealed in this episode. I think her powers is that she can temporarily do other people's things. But only like, one at a time. Yeah. Which is a big apparently it's a huge deal for them they're like well only one at a time doesn't really matter i mean which explains why why she was able to move around so fast when she was fighting number five yeah uh you know so it's yeah i mean how she created a force field she could have easily done that with vanya's powers yeah so, i yeah. mean i think that I, I was just excited that they incorporated uh one of the other children because now we know there's other children out there we're gonna see them 
season three is going to incorporate more of them. And obviously, well, maybe, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about if you think the Sparrow Academy is part of that 43 other children, um, or if you think that they're an alternate reality uh, version of the current Umbrella Academy. Um, but yeah, th this, this major fight happens throughout 10, which culminates in them being in the barn. And in the barn, um, everybody dies. Everybody dies, the handler wins. But um, uh, at the last second, we see five didn't actually die. He's dying. And he remembers something that Hargreaves told him, which is stop trying to go back decades and just look at moments. Look how, you know, before you look at the impact of decades, look at the impact of seconds kind of a thing. So five, it's able to go back and he sets it, sets it straight. Um, no one dies essentially the way they die in the first one. And then uh, first way, and then uh, the handler is then prevented from, from being, uh, they kill her instead of everybody else dying. Um, but with that, the Swede shows up, the final Swede, um, who is, he, he killed his brother a couple episodes back, his other brother. He shows up and instead of um, killing everybody, they're like, no more deaths. We're, we're good now. Um, but Lila escapes. So Diego and um, Diego's trying to get to her is it Luther stops her uh, or five stops or him? Somebody stops Diego from getting to Lila as she's grabbing the briefcase and escaping. And he's like, what are you doing? We could have stopped her. Somebody does. She knows at this point by 10, she knows who killed her parents. They tell her like, yeah. hey, you ask yeah. who really killed your parents. Yeah. And that's, yeah. She's got to be a big part of three. She has to. Yeah, be. Absolutely. Um, and then there's a lot of resolution. Um, you basically, everybody has their, their tie-ups, but the two major aspects are um, Harlan has some of his abilities still because he's floating his duck in the car in the, as they're driving away. Um, so Harlan's got some abilities and then the Sparrow Academy shows up. Um, they all go back and they find, oh, hey, um, Hargreaves is still alive. So is Ben. And um, there's a new group of six or seven people, and it's no longer the Umbrella Academy. It's the Sparrow Academy. Um, so a really awesome cliffhanger, um, a frustratingly awesome cliffhanger uh, that, I don't know, we'll talk about what you guys think, but uh, I thought the, the season ended really well. Um, what do you guys think the Sparrow Academy is? Because um, I, I can tell you who they are in the comics, but it's not going to be the same way. It's not set this up in a similar way as it is in the comics. Go ahead, Ben. I'm excited for it because we'll, I think in season three with this way that they set this up, we'll actually get to see superhero versus superheroes. Yeah. I mean, season one was just full of them fighting each other. Season two was them full of fighting assassins um, sent by the, you know, the, the higher bees. So finally in season three, we'll actually get to see that X-Men type thing of them fighting people that are similar to that are in the same level with them as superpowers. And I think that that's really going to be where you see a lot of characters become uh, mature, I guess. Like, you know, like you're going to see them really blossom to who they are. And it's like, okay, you can't really screw around anymore. Um, yeah. I'm excited that they just reshaped everything. Yeah. And like, sure. what type of, what type of Ben are we getting back? We're getting emo Ben. That's who we're getting. Is it? Yeah. Like, he, he had like he had the he looked like he just got back from a My Chemical Romance concert. Does he not have any previous memories of what happened? No, because he's not it's the a same new timeline. Ben. Completely new timeline. different Ben. Okay. So it's not yeah. like Ben is back. It's this is a different Ben. 
Yeah, I'm excited for it because I, I I think that's where they're. Go- I mean, I don't. Again, I don't know what you've read in the graphic novels, but like I, to me, this signals that it's going to be one of those things where it's like we are the Umbrella Academy, we're the Sparrow. It's superhero versus superhero. It's Marvel Civil War. It's you know, it's yeah, all these things coming together. Do you think maybe, Sparrow maybe Academy will do something? Do you think Sparrow Academy are villains, or do you think that they're just a different set of heroes? I don't know because maybe he raises them differently to not be heroes. Hmm. I don't yeah. know because I've not read the graphic novel. But well, and I'll tell you this: be more even, having, if... even having read the graphic novel, I don't have an answer. I don't know who the I know who the Sparrow Academy are in the graphic novel, but that is not even close to what they've set up. It wouldn't surprise me if he raised them as not necessarily heroes. You do the good thing, but it's more like you know we are assassins for hire or something like that. Yeah. George, what do you think? Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that they messed up the timeline so bad in Houston and that and mom left, whatever her actual name is. Grace. And the lack of her influence is the reason why these guys, I don't know if they're necessarily villains, but I think they are heroes Asshole. for hire. Assholes. Heroes <laughs> for hire that do it for the money. They're in it for the money. They're not in it for the you know the drive of doing something good the honor it's almost the honor yeah. yeah the the just you have to do this because it's the right thing let's do it it feels like they're because the way ben came off i don't remember what he said he said something like, about who, who are these guys he's yeah. like he said it it's like a just a bitchy like snotty rich selfish. kid yeah. shitty yeah. tone so that's what I'm thinking is that they missed the influence of mom. Mom's not there. So they were raised greedily because that's what Hargreaves is, right? He's just kind of a greedy asshole the whole time. And the only reason those kids grew up with half a heart is because mom was there. Yeah. I think, so my, my suspicions go from the meeting up on in the penthouse in the tiki bar when they met with, with Hargreaves. Hargreaves did not believe that any of them actually had powers except for um who was five. it that he was five and he was somewhat impressed by five everybody else he's like what you're a joke so he knows who these people are he also knows luther because luther went back to um to the the house before everybody else showed up um but i feel like in some way he has people he hargreaves went back and the next time this happened he went for people who had special powers not just whoever he could get his hands on. He looked for certain people. Um, and we also have to keep in mind the commission was doing the same thing, at least the handler. She was looking for these other children and that's how she got her hands on Lila. So I have the suspicion that these are different kids of the 43, um, except for Ben, who Ben actually had a really powerful power where he could like open up a dimension in his chest and all the, the tentacle monster would come out. Are you suggesting that he didn't purchase these kids that he just took these kids because they fit the role he wanted i think so that's pretty yeah. dark yeah i mean we don't really know much about hargreaves he's still a, a very sneaky like mysterious character so i don't know i know that the Asparo academy in the comics is just more of the kids but like they're not bad guys like grace the mom was was recruiting them all together vanya knew everybody knew about the sparrow academy long before the third season so it's they're not they're just more more kids but i don't know i i feel like that's too easy and they've been starting to change things up so we'll see the next season 
uh, at least in the comics, is called Hotel Oblivion. And that one is weird, dimensional, a lot of old villains. And we don't really have any villains yet in the series. So I don't know what they're going to do. I'm very excited to see because I think it's going to be a very different season. Um, all right. So let's look at our final rating. So we've wrapped it up. Um, how would you rate this season? Um, we can throw in just how you think it compares to the first season while you rate it. But let's do the easy one. One to five umbrellas. Uh, Jordan or Ben, who's going first? Five is the best, right? Yeah. The more umbrellas, the better the Academy. It's so long since I've rated anything. Um, I'll give it, I'll give it four umbrellas. Solid, solid season. I enjoyed it. There's almost too much to go over in one podcast. Uh, we could have done one episode per, you know. Yeah. It's because, what was it, episode nine? There's a million trillion different things going on it's almost impossible to go through the entire thing but i enjoyed it um i i liked the cultural significance i liked the historical stuff they talked about um i liked some of the character arcs and i love ben as a character in general so i'm glad we got to know more about him and klaus is my favorite person in the entire world so there's nothing more i wanted for klaus than for him to have his own cult children of destiny do you think it was a better season than season one I think I told you that I thought it was. Um, that's the only reason was because we're not getting to know these characters. Mm-hmm. They're finally in their element and just moving forward. So there was more push throughout this this season as opposed to just stagnant understanding of each character. So I guess I would say yes, but for different reasons. Gotcha. Ben, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I'd probably give it around four, maybe four and a half stars. I definitely enjoyed this season two better than season one. Um, well, season one had to had had a lot on the plate to get established, you know, especially someone like me who's just now watching it and hasn't read the graphic novel. Um, season two was like, we know these characters, we know what they can do. We now let's see them interact with the other characters that we are being introduced to in a different time period, because it was nice to see at least for the first few episodes them relaxed like they didn't know that there was going to be an end of the world so somebody they were having civil rights meetings and going out to dinner and and he was in a fight club and and just all these seeing them not have to worry about stopping the apocalypse and seeing them interact with other people was a nice refreshing way and then it's okay to be like okay now we're screwed again let's jump back into what we know they can do um and, and like jordan said the the cultural aspect around it with the racism and the civil rights movement and the Kennedy assassination and all that stuff. Uh, just, you know, made, it's really well-written scripts. And I'm sure that there was a lot more that they probably had to cut out that yep. they couldn't fit in. Probably most of it was probably Luther's shit that he did. There's probably a <laughs> whole backstory <laughs> where he like had a family and like giant eight kids and shit. And they just you, like, do yeah, you guys we don't got know? time. You want to know something that is a really bizarre element that was not incorporated into the series about Luther? Not really, because well, quite gonna... honestly, I was so disappointed. Luther and Five are twins. The same mother. So, yep, that's same cool. mother. Um, so that's something that they, maybe they'll bring it in at some point. But That poor um, woman had spontaneous twins? Jesus things. Christ, now I wish I had never heard that Well, before. they're not coming out at the same time. Oh, I mean, there's Jordan, one and then the other, but... Once again, what were you taught in school? That's not how that works. <laughs> no, what, happen- what do you think has- happens to somebody when they have, like, sex tuplets or something? Just, like, six babies? Okay, now Boom. hold on, hold on, hold on. 
if someone can go back to the very first episode of season one where they say 43 women had 43 babies and none of them knew they were pregnant i don't know if they actually say 43 women what do they say 42 women had 43 babies i think they said 43 children were born at the same on, on the same day and within the same you know time frame oh my god but she has get back to the more important twins. thing jordan how do babies come out <laughs> like how what is what have you been taught like I'm saying it's bad enough to have a spontaneous child. Are you it's like even worse to have a spontaneous like, too? Are you picturing like when people try to get in the store during Black Friday and they're just babies just trying to like like you know let me in and get that TV? Am like, I three, wrong? It's like two people trying to get out of a, a a room at the same time, getting stuck in the door frame. It's like no, you go first. No, you, and then they go at the same time again. It's gonna be all right. Four. My review, because we got to wrap this one up. Uh, my review is I'm going to give it a four and 4.7. And that 0.7 is because of the seven members of the Umbrella Academy. Uh, I'm going to give it a 4.7, almost a five. The only reason why it was kind of, eh, it's probably Luther. I thought Luther was kind of pointless. Um, like, did we really need him? Yeah, he was funnier. No, I mean, but otherwise, no. He, he really was not important. And it's funny that if you look at the, the movie poster, the, the poster that is one of the trailers or is attributed to one of the trailers where they all have sunglasses on and every single person's in the reflection of their glasses is something major with their storyline. Guess who's has nothing to do with an individual storyline? It's fucking Luther. Luther has in his glasses, it's like uh, the Soviet war. Everybody else has like a specific plot. Allison and hers has the reflection of um, protests. Vanya has the farm. Um, five has, I'm trying to remember what five has. Five has the explosion because he's trying to prevent the apocalypse. Um, Klaus's cult. Ben has a, Ben's, oh, Jordan, this will just tear your heart out. Ben's reflection is them as kids. Um, so his, he's trying to get back to, I mean, so everybody else has, Diego has Lila. Everybody else has a storyline. Luther's is nothing. So that's the reason why it's not five. I thought it was much better than the first season for the same reasons Jordan said. I liked getting straight to more plot and not having to build up background. Um, any background was it was done in half the amount of time because we just had to see what they'd been doing since they had gotten dropped in Dallas. So um, yeah, if you guys have any other thoughts, anybody listening have thoughts on Umbrella Academy season two, let us know. You can reach us on Facebook. You can search drive-in double feature and leave us, uh, first off, like us on there if you haven't done so. And then to let us know what you thought of Umbrella Academy Season 2. Let us know what you thought of Umbrella Academy Season 1. Um, and you can also check us out on Twitter, Drive In Double Feature. I um, think that's it. I'm curious, though, Ben, now that you are done watching Umbrella Academy, what are you watching next? What are you going to be watching over the next week? I don't know what you want me to watch. I don't know. We have to figure that out. <laughs> what are you going to watch know. for you? What's something that you're like, you know what, I'm curious. I might go and watch some of this. I'm I'm actually tonight, I think right now we're recording uh, the um, Lovecraft uh, Country mm. on HBO. I'm really That's excited to see that. Um, the first episode is tonight at 9 o'clock on HBO. And then they have a repeat episode afterwards. So I think that's the next thing that I'm really going. I recorded all the Perry Masons that Robert Downey Jr. produced. Uh, I'm going to mm -hmm. really try to watch that, but I don't know how well I can get into it now that Lovecraft has has started do you like perry mason because every time we go through jordan's like i heard perry mason's kind of good like sell sell me on it because i think jordan wants to watch it uh well i've only watched the first episode and there was a a, a a stripper eating cake off of a fat guy i'm in and so there you go 
So like, but I mean, it's, it's, it seems pretty dark and gritty, which I always like dark and gritty. So that's what it's supposed to be. Aaron, I don't know if you know, it's a remake of an old show. I don't know. No, I did not know that. Yeah. It's an old, old show, but okay. think old timey, like Ben, is it like seventies, just seventies cop detective drama and Robert Downer Jr. got his hands on it. So it's like gritty, bloody. It's like 19, I think things. it's like 1930s, 40s. 30s, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that 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 is one that we need to check out. Lovecraft Country is also on on my short list. Um, Harley Quinn: Birds of Prey just dropped on HBO yesterday, and so we'll probably check that out. More so because I heard it was not awful, and we need to. We I've been wanting to see it since it came out. So, the one that I'm probably most excited for though is Project Power. Um, that's on Netflix. That's the new Jamie Foxx uh, superhero movie that's getting some pretty good reviews. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of it other than people are saying, hey, you know what? It looks pretty good. Um, and a, a superhero movie with, uh, with Jamie Foxx and with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I'm in. Just sounds kind of cool. So we'll probably check that one out too. All right. Anything else? Jordan? Nope. nope. Nothing else from Jordan. Anything don't else? Don't follow from... me on anything. Don't follow. Don't don't <laughs> think about it. Don't even look up Jordan's name. Thank you for coming on, though. Thank you guys for having me. This was great. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to uh, bring you on for for something else here soon. Um, I know you love guest hosting. Actually, be on the lookout sometime in the next few months. Ben has a really cool idea of um, of the wives, the the sweethearts of uh of uh of jordan taking and Devin taking over and not just guest hosting like being on the episode just taking it over doing something for them um that'd be kind of cool but also if you want to go back and listen to the detective pikachu episode from the original drive-in jordan hosted that one outright with uh, jack elliott it's really funny because jordan knows nothing about pokemon and she hosted the episode about pokemon so go back and listen to that one otherwise ben have an awesome week Jordan, we'll see you in a few minutes, just because we're in the same apartment. It would um, be weird if you said that backwards. <laughs> yeah, that'd be weird. Jordan, have a good week. Ben, I'll see you in a few minutes. Um, and everybody else, including Dre, drive home safe.